Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Kings, that is Malachim Bet. We are in Parag Zion, that is chapter 7. <coughs> we are about to read verse 6. We just read yesterday about how the um, four lepers that were sitting in the um, gateway to the city of Samaria under siege, that they decided uh, to do something about their fate, which was to go to the enemy camp because they were starving to death where they were and they had no other obvious options. When they reached the camp, there was no one there. So, these four lepers find that the camp, the enemy camp was abandoned before the king, before anyone else. So here they are. And um, I want to point out a few things before we continue. This idea of these lepers sitting at the city gate reminds anyone familiar with the Talmudic discussions about the coming of Mashiach, the coming of the Messiah, and reminds us of a story that is said in Masachat Sanhedrin, that's Tractate Sanhedrin 98a. And it clearly is a reference to this story. <coughs> the story of the four lepers here being the ones who find the news, the great news of salvation, is, is used a lot in a lot of contexts today. It finds its way into many sermons. Um, you know, how sometimes news can come from an, 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 an unexpected source is usually the theme that it takes. But here, you have a case where Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, famous rabbi, says to Eliyahu Anavi, he meets Elijah the prophet, and he asks him, When will the Messiah come? So Amrle, so Elijah, Eliyahu answers, Zil Ask him. So then he says, well, Where is he? How am I supposed to ask him? Right? He says, He is at the gates of the city. Now, this is already reminding us of this story that we're reading. So then, okay, he has the gates of the city. Well, there's a lot of people hanging out at the gates. So how do I know to recognize him? So Eliyahu answers, He is sitting among all of the poverty people who are stricken with disease. So he's sitting among the lepers, right? At the city gates. That's where he is. And they are all untying their bandages and putting them all on at one time, meaning every day they would unwrap all of the bandages over all of their wounds and put on new bandages on all of their wounds. But he always did would do one at a time, so he'd never be without only one with that, uh, you know, he'd always have most of his band, his wounds bandaged, except for one, one. Because Omar, he thought Dilma Mavina Delo Iakiv. I never know. I might be able to, um, to uh, I might be needed. I might be required to come and redeem the the, the world, right, at any moment. So I want to make sure that I, that I'm always ready. So I'm not going to take all my bandages off at once. So, Azalagabe, Rabbi Yeshua Malevi went to the Mashiach, Amrle, and he said, Shalom Alecha Rabbi Yumori. May peace be upon you, my teacher, my, my, my rabbi. Amrle, he said, Shalom Alecha Bar Levai, right? 
the son of Levi. That remember, Rabbi Yeshua was the son of Levi. He says, "So peace be upon you." When are you going to come? And he answered today. The story goes on. And of course, uh, you know, at the end, just to, to tell you, so not to leave you in too much suspense, in the end, Rabbi uh, Shobin Levi says, Why did he say he's coming today if he didn't come today? Uh, and Elio's answer was, If everyone's worthy, he can come any day. This story gives us. Uh, it is basically using the story that we're reading together today, these four lepers, and saying that Mashiach, the Messiah, is not necessarily someone that we generally imagine when we think of a Mashiach. It doesn't have to be this great king on a great grand horse riding and flying through the clouds and bringing redemption. Anyone who is ready and available, right, who's always available and ready to do what needs to be done, like this person sitting at the, this leper sitting with his bandages, that person, if he steps up to the plate, can be the one that brings about the salvation or brings about the news of the salvation. And that's the same story we have over here with these four lepers. This is a very, very important idea. And this is the important idea what we're seeing here. But... At the same time, we see everyone else in the story doing absolutely nothing, right? The king doing nothing. But let's see, what happened during this night? We're about to read verse 6. How, come, how did this, how did this uh, party, uh, not the party, I'm sorry, how did the, the army uh, uh, retreat from their camp? Because this is what happens. God had the camp of Aram here during the night, right? The or we don't know, but some point before this night when this was discovered, the sounds of riders and horses, the sounds of a great army, right? So in other words, they heard a tremendously loud noise, and immediately they assumed each person said to the other, The king of Israel must have hired. Um, uh, you know, he must have made a treaty with other kings, that's Malcheachitim, the kings of the Hittites, but Machimitzraim, the kings of the Egyptians, Lavalenu, to come against us. He must have hired some, some, some either mercenaries or signed peace, uh, you know, some kind of treaty with them, and they're coming after us. Now, think about what's going on here, because see, the, the morale of these people that are going to get up and run just from a noise because they assume that the king of Israel has done something, such as hire mercenaries or sign treaties to get help, right? It's something the king himself didn't do, right? The king of Israel himself could have tried to plot, could have tried to see. Number one, he could have he, he could have hired mercenaries, but more importantly, he could have kept his head to the ground, his ear to the ground, so to speak, and known this intelligence, this intel, just like Gidon knew the intel which allowed him to, to, to conquer the Midianites. But the king didn't do that. He just retreated inside to his sackcloth and started blaming Elisha, right? In fact, the fear of the Arameans, of the possibility of a, an alliance between the people of Israel and these other kings was so great that immediately, the next verse, Vayakumu Vayanusu Baneshef, they got up and they ran 
in the in the early hours of the morning when it's still dark, and they left their tents, they even left their horses, and their donkeys, the entire camp, exactly as is, and they just ran by foot just to save themselves from this terrifying noise that they had heard. That's how bad their fear was. And that's also how little the king knew about the morale, the state of the morale that he could have taken advantage of. So these lepers, um, that's what happened. Now let's back to these lepers. They got to the edge of the camp. And they came to, just they got to the first tent and they found food in there. And they ate and they drank and they took stuff. They took out silver and gold and clothing. And they went and they hided it. They hid it. Um, assuming, you know, down the road it's going to be found out, at least we can, we'll have this valuable stuff so we'll be able to, you know, have some money. And then they continued. They went to the next tent. And they took out stuff from there. And they hid that and so on. But while they're going about doing this, they realize this isn't the greatest idea. One of the lepers said to the other lepers, This is not right what we are doing. Now here it sounds like he had some moral qualms. Lo chen, kain is means in this context it's not right. It's not the right thing to do. That which we're doing. Um, and it's not only is it not the right thing to do, but it's also um, uh, not a good idea, right? Hayom hazeh yom b'sorahu. Today is a day of great news, right? This tremendous thing happened. Banachnu machshim, and we're being silent. And if we wait until the morning light comes, then it will be found out, and it will be avon, and we will be found to be sinners. We found we're doing something wrong, that we didn't tell that, that this had happened. Now let's go and tell the king's house, right? Let's go into the palace and tell them what, what, what's going on. So the... Um, the uh, uh, you know, and, and they're not worried. At least now they have full bellies, right? And they have some wealth that they hid away. So they're, they're squared away. So now let's go tell the king instead of, you know, walking around and trying to get more wealth and more wealth and more loot. So so they went to the gatekeeper of the city. Presumably it was still dark, as, as the story seems at this point. <clears throat> so the gatekeeper was watching the gate, keeping it closed. And <clears throat> they told them, in other words, they told the gatekeepers as follows, Banu Aram, we came to the camp of Aram, there's no one there. Adam, there isn't a sound of a person. There's only horses that are still tied up. Donkeys still tied up. And tents just sitting there, just like they were, without any, you know, without even being moved. And the gatekeepers uh, uh, called, uh, you know, they they called out to whoever they they were reported to, and then it was eventually told to the king to the inner court to the inner palace. And the king gets up at night. In other words, it's still dark when this is happening. And he says to his servants, I'm going to tell you what Aram is really doing here. This is a trick. This can't possibly be real. They knew you were starving. 
They went out of their camp in order to hide Basada in the field, Lamar to say, in other words, saying as thinking to themselves as follows. They're going to come out of the city desperate looking for food and they're going to come towards our camp and then they're going to attack us and, and attack the city and we're done for. So the king just couldn't imagine that such a thing was real, that they really actually did abandon the city. It shows how clueless he was as to the state of the people of Aram. Clueless as to what their fears were, clueless as to what their discussions were about not having any idea that they had the fear that, that, that the king of Israel actually had things he could have done to save the people. And one of his servants answered him and said, Let's take um, a couple of the horses, right? A, a bunch of the horses. It, it says chamisha, which sometimes translates five, but here chamisha uh, 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 is a portion of, right? Of these of these horses, right? Of the horses that we have left, just a few of them, right? And um, and hinam kechol hamon Yisrael asher nisharuba. They are um, they're just like they're they're in the same. In other words, if it's true that they're going to be ambushed, right? They they're just as bad off as the rest of the people of Israel. In other words, we're not endangering them more because if they stay here, they're going to die anyway. So we'll take a few horses and a few men and send them out there. And if they do get attacked, well, if they stay in here, they're starving to death anyway, is basically the logic, right? Um, they'll be just like the rest of the people of Israel that are dying, that, that have died already. Let's send them. In other words, we have nothing to lose by sending a, a party to see what's actually going on. By they took two uh, two sets of horses. By Ishlach, uh, or two uh, um, two ri- riders or two chariots with horses pulling them, right? By and the king sent them to go check out the camp of Aram Lamar and gave them the following instructions: go see what's going on. They went and they followed the path of the people that had run all the way to the Jordan. The entire road from where they had encamped to the Jordan River was was full of clothing and vessels that the people of Aram had thrown on the grounds as they were running to lighten their load. So they had taken some stuff with them and as they were running they kept throwing it because they needed to run faster and they were getting tired. They needed to run. They couldn't carry all these packages. They were dropping stuff. And then the, the messengers came and they told the king that not only did they leave but they really left. Because this kind of a business of throwing uh, vessels all over the place, this is not what an army would be doing if they moved, if they left in order to set some kind of a trap or ambush. So, of course, what happens, the, the nation, the people went out and they took all of the loot from the camp of the Arameans. And sure enough, the price of a measure of flour was a shekel. As God had said to the prophet Elisha, the prices went down to exactly what Elisha had predicted. And this was just the next day. And now the people had more than enough food to eat. And the king, he had appointed the, um, his right-hand man, 
right? The guy who he was leaning on his hand, he appointed him over the gate, presumably in order to somehow uh, limit, you know, and, and have make sure that the people would go out in an, even an orderly way, right? He was in charge of that. Maybe he sent as charge of a group of people to control the crowds. However, the people were so excited to go get the food, the crowd ran, trampled over him and killed him. Just like the, the prophet of God had spoken, which at the time when the king came to, to come and execute Elisha the prophet, right? Elisha the prophet said that you, the, who don't recognize the greatness and ability of God, that you will see the food, but you will never get to eat any of it at all. And, and it reviews the story here. At that time, when the prophet of God, Elisha, was speaking to the king Lamar, saying, that the prices were going to drop so much, that in the, in the markets of, of, Shom, of, of Shomron, that's how it's going to be tomorrow. And the, and the right-hand man answered the prophet of God, Is God going to make windows in heaven? Could anything like that happen? Right. In other words, the only thing that can save us is, is an out-of-the-ordinary miracle of windows in the heaven. But God doesn't have to do out-of-the-ordinary magical tricks. The, the situation was such that a loud noise would sound to the people in the camp like horses and chariots. They were so afraid. The morale was so bad. They were so afraid of other enemies attacking them that they just picked up and ran. Now you see with your own eyes. And I'm sorry. And the prophet answered him at the time, you will see it with your own eyes, but you won't get any food for yourself. And this is exactly what happened to him. And the people trampled him in the gate by a most, and that is how he died. So this concludes chapter 7, an incredible story with so many incredible lessons to learn. I, I really I wish you uh, a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining me in the study of chapter 7. Looking forward to studying chapter 8 as we continue the uh, story of Elisha the prophet. Have a wonderful day.